One of the things that's been true for me almost my entire life has been dogs in my household. When I was growing up, we always had one dog. As an adult, we've had at least two most of the time, sometimes more. And dogs are fascinating because I love trying to figure them out. I love getting to know the different personalities, the different ways any individual dog might behave, what bribes they respond to, that sort of thing. And most of the dogs that I've had in my life are rescue dogs, which make them even more complex to try to figure out. They'll have unknown pasts, sometimes with a, a clue from the shelter or maybe from a vet's visit, but you never really know what's going on. We right now have one dog named Pepper that has been a part of our household for about 10 years. Now, Pepper was advertised as a Labrador puppy, and I had always wanted a black Labrador. One of my best friends when I was in uh, junior high and high school had this fantastic black Labrador, wonderful personality, a constant companion kind of dog, and I thought, that'd be a great dog to have now. So, went through all the shelter websites, all over central Indiana, really, and ended up driving almost to Cincinnati to this rescue place that had this Labrador puppy. They say it was a bit of an adolescent, but it was a puppy. Well, as it turns out, I don't think there is such a thing, but apparently we have the only miniature Labrador in the world. <laughs> because this puppy never grew an inch. <laughs> Instead, it just went from black to white patches and has gotten older and older. We do know from the shelter that she had had a very abused life, that she had been abused by humans and by bigger dogs, and as Kathy Gray would say, she had such a sweet face that we were going to take her probably regardless. We should have had a clue that something was going to be different when on the almost 90-minute drive home, she somehow managed to crawl under the driver's seat rather than be near any human. But through the years, we've gone to deal with her. I can't say we understand her. You look into her eyes, and it's like looking into a prize-winning poker player's eyes. She doesn't give away a thing. And we try to figure out what kind of treat she might like. And it's none of our business. <laughs> we try to figure out how she might want to play. Oh, no playing. The only thing she, we know she likes to do is sleep on a blanket near the foot of our bed, 24 hours a day if she could. She is a sweet, sweet little dog, probably about 30-pound dog. And 10 years, can't figure her out in the least. To me... She's one of those markers that reminds me that if I can't and no one else can figure out this little 30-pound dog, how can I expect myself to figure out other humans? How can I expect myself to even figure out myself, even though I have access to all the original documents, so to speak? <laughs> Let alone, how can I expect myself to figure out God? or any human. Because basically, we are on the level of puppy brains when we compare ourselves to God. Puppy brains at best. 
And yet, we spend so much time trying to figure out God, trying to speak for God, trying to say exactly what God meant at any given moment in history or any moment going forward, rather than having the humility to admit we have puppy brains. Now, another dog that I had many years ago was a beautiful Irish setter. I got her as a rescue. She was middle-aged, maybe even older. Even the vet couldn't tell. May have been in a puppy mill. But she had a fantastic personality. Named her Gracie, after Grace Slick from the Jefferson Airplane. And she was the kind of dog that would lay down on, in front of the TV and want people to lay on her as a pillow. She was the kind of dog that when I went out to get the morning paper, she would just walk alongside me, no leash required, would never run away. She was fantastic. But she was dumb as a doornail. <laughs> Dumbest dog I've ever been around for any consistency. She would run into furniture. She would run into couches, recliners, big pieces of furniture. And it was frequent enough that I actually, on one of her vet visits, asked the vet to check her eyesight, because we didn't know how old the dog was. Maybe Gracie was developing cataracts. And she, the vet said, she said, no, the vision's fine. And I said, okay, how about hearing? She did a hearing test. No, hearing's fine. I said, well, why does she keep running into furniture? And the vet kind of paused and looked at me and said, because she's a dumb dog. <laughs> but sweet, so sweet. So what I learned, what I had to do, was whenever the furniture got rearranged in the house, and we had two little kids in the house, so frequently little forts were built, or the couch would be moved for impromptu dancing and that sort of thing, I had to take her by the collar and walk her around the house to see where everything was. Because she would not remember, she would not perceive what the house was laid out to be at that time. So I could walk around, sometimes it took two or three times, and then I could kind of sense the light bulb going off and her going, oh, okay, this is what it's now. <laughs> and she would no longer run into the furniture until we rearranged it again and forgot to show her the way. Now, no offense, but that's how we are as human beings. We have such expectations about where the furniture should be. We have such expectations about how life should work, about what should be easy and what should be hard, that we keep running into the couches and recliners in our lives, sometimes with disastrous consequences. But what we need to keep aware of is that God is constantly guiding us to show us how the furniture has shifted. That God does not have a single spelled out ABC plan for our lives. But instead, God walks with us as the world changes constantly, as our lives shift around in unexpected ways, and lets us sniff around and see how things have shifted. And therefore learn from God how to avoid further injury, and perhaps even how to find a better path to walk. We often forget about that dimension of our relationship with God, the need to see things in new ways, the way to let go of our expectations. And we have an example in this morning's gospel 
of how John the Baptist comes out with all the fire and brimstone of you brood of vipers. And for many Americans anyway, we immediately go to hell. We think of Dante's Inferno and other artworks that depict all sorts of terrible things. And yet, and yet, what God asks us to do throughout the New Testament is to interpret the Scripture through the eyes of Christ. That parts of Scripture are going to have a new meaning because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Parts of Scripture are going to be irrelevant because of Christ's willing to love us so deeply. Things are going to change. The furniture is getting rearranged by God walking on earth in the form of Jesus. It's not going to be as it has always been. Instead, it's going to change for the better. And we don't have to worry about all sorts of terrible things, even as the church at times, the wider culture at times, different branches of Christianity at times, have said, yeah, you do have to worry about it. Yeah, you're in danger. You're in danger of going to hell. Nowhere does St. Paul in Paul's epistles ever talk about people going to hell. And those are the earliest written words by any Christian. And if you read Paul, he's willing to say obnoxious stuff, things that we don't, disagree, we don't agree with today. And he certainly believes in telling people everything they need to know to follow Christ or to make a decision to follow Christ. And he never, never mentions eternal judgment as a reason. And therefore, that and lots of other early Christian writings show us that hell really was not on the radar of the first Christians. That was not what life was about. Instead, it was about God loving us like adorable puppies. That we may not be terribly bright, we may run into the furniture, we may go on and on and on with images of what puppies do, but God still loves us. We're still adorable. And adorable puppies aren't sent to hell. Adorable people are not disregarded by other humans that love them. And, again, we just have little puppy brains, so we don't understand. We can't fathom how much we are loved by God. God tries to say it in various ways and still does. And all too often, we just try to interpret the world through our expectations and our limited thought processes. Sometimes as whole institutions do that. Instead of stepping back and saying, how would Christ see this? How would Christ see me? How would Christ see the world? And the answer over and over is with eternal, infinite love. That's what we can take with us in terms of how to deal with our puppy brains. To always think of love as the standard of God's behavior. We expect as much from parents, we should expect as much from God. It comes down to that simple an equation. So if you don't think parents should love their children, then yes, you can believe in hell. But if you think parents should love and care for their children, then it really doesn't make sense that our Creator created an eternal time out of suffering. 
No loving parent would do that. And we don't think God did. God loves us. God cares for us. God leads us around by the collar so that we can see the new obstacles. God cares for us so deeply that all we have to do is open our eyes, sniff around a bit, and see and feel and experience God's eternal love, God's eternal forgiveness, God's eternal provision for each and every one of us. Because that's who God is, and that's who we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.